the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I am your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, just uh, go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. You can contact me there. You can also sign up for the webinar that I'm doing with Rob Black, December 7th. So a little over a week away. Um, and 6.30 PM, it's all about the seven steps for retirement readiness. So seven key things you need to think about as you're going into retirement. You know, It's kind of right for those that are about 10 years away from retirement or in retirement. What are some of the key things that you need to look at? How do you Look at your portfolio and say, can I get through good markets, bad markets, tax, all sorts of issues. So check it out. It's free. Just go to uh, chadburton.com. Well, uh, for the podcast listeners out there, I'm recording this pre-market open on November 29th. And uh, the big story of the day is people talking about Charlie Munger, vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway and legend of the investing world, as many headlines say today, passed away yesterday at the age of 99. So... Warren Buffett's right-hand man. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about that stock. Um, over the last 20 years, if you look at BRK.A, so Berkshire A shares, up 552% total return. So that total return, when I say that, that's with dividends um, versus 538% of the S&P 500. So when I looked at the 10 and 15, 10 and 20 year, um, Berkshire Hathaway outperformed. So pretty decent results there. Now, obviously, Berkshire Hathaway this year is lower, uh, not up as much as the S&P 500 because they they were never very tech heavy. And this year is a tech driven rally. Um, although, like I've said before, even though the Nasdaq, which is a tech oriented index, is still down since January 2022, um, up big this year. Um, Berkshire Hathaway is known for owning Geico, Berkshire Hathaway Reinsurance Group, Berkshire Hathaway Primary Group. Um, they used excess cash over the years to buy Burlington Northern Santa Fe, which is a railroad, Berthur, uh, Berkshire Hathaway Energy, which is utilities and energy. And of course, then they, they have stocks, the top 10 holdings. Um, last time I looked were Apple, Bank of America, American Express, Coca-Cola, Chevron, Occidental Petroleum, Kraft Heinz, Moody's Corporation, Hewlett-Packard, HPQ, it's interesting, and DeVita, which is a diabetes um, kidney dialysis services. Now, when you look up Berkshire Hathaway, you'll notice two share prices, BRKA and BRKB. So it's BRK.A, BRK.B. Now, 
the A shares are the old ones, right? They're very expensive. Um, it was causing a barrier entry back before you could buy fractional shares of stocks. Um, it was causing a barrier entry. So they, they created the BRKB shares, which was um, originally one thirtieth of the cost of the A shares. And then there was a split. It was one fifteen hundredth of the A share. So it makes the B shares more accessible to the A shares, but A shares have more voting rights. So A shares have, you know, a lot bigger say if you own A shares, you can vote on corporate decisions. Now, the other thing is that you can convert A shares into B shares, but the reverse is not possible. So this happens sometimes. Let's say people own Berkshire Hathaway forever. They pass away. When somebody passes away owning something, there's a step up in cost basis. And so then heirs can turn around and sell it without paying any taxes. But what if they don't want to sell you know, a full share of an A share, you can convert to a B share. Okay. Uh, a shares technically have more dividend rights if they're, they don't pay a dividend, but if they did, they get a higher one. Uh, the B shares have experienced stock splits where the A shares have never had a stock split. So the A share is uh, 546869 per share. So that's, that's what I'm talking about. Now, when I was looking at this before the market opens, Stock is flat, but you got to wonder if if uh, Charlie Munger passed away, how the stock would react if Warren Buffett passed away. And they've been working on a succession plan for quite a while. But um, it's it's interesting to note that's always been kind of the big issue here. And also, it's been you know I'd say a tough run essentially um, as. Value investing, if we look over the last five years, I mean, value investing outperformed in the downturn, but it's been a little bit more out of favor as people have, have as the largest companies in the world have become technology companies, which has skewed the S&P 500 to a very tech heavy index lately. Um, so if we look over the last uh, five years, the S&P 500 is up 80, almost 81%, where Berkshire Hathaway is up almost 68%. Um, it's, it's, so it's just definitely a value oriented shop. And speaking of, uh, switching gears and looking at the overall market for an update for everybody here, um, NASDAQ's up 47% for the year. This is including dividends. So it's total return S&P 500 up 20.29. The equal weighted S&P 500 though is up 5.12%. So that's, you know, again, market cap weighted S&P 500 tech heavy, lots in Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, companies like that, or excuse me, Meta. Um, emerging markets up 5.6%. International developed up 12.23%, so much better returns than expected there. Technically outperforming the U.S. if you look at the S&P 500 equal weight. And also if you look at the iShares R- Russell 2000 IWM, which is small and mid-cap ETF, that's up only 3.26% for the year. Bonds actually turn positive, guys. So everybody, since we've talked last week, has piled into bonds, causing bond prices to go up and rates to go down. So the U.S. Aggregate Core Bond Index ETF, AGG, is up 1.73% for the year. If we look at a basic balance fund, I don't invest in this and I don't own it. And and I don't, you know, nothing's a recommendation. I always consult a broker advisor before taking any action. But if you look at a basic 60-40 style fund, Vanguard VBIAX, 
mutual fund, which kind of shows you, okay, if you had 60% in basically S&P 500 and 40% in bonds, it's up about 11.92% for the year. So 2023 is shaping up to be a, a really good year. Although last year was rough. Last year was one of the toughest years for a balanced investor since basically 2008 and nine. So interesting to note. Um, now, what's also interesting is we essentially had the yield curve uninverted. We've had an inverted yield curve, which means two-year treasuries has been paying more than a 10-year U.S. Treasury. So right now, the 10-year Treasury before the market opens sitting at 4.39%, where the two-year is at uh, 4.84%. So I'm sorry, it's it's I totally had that backwards. As I'm doing, I love doing live radio. There we go. So it is still slightly inverted. Because <laughs> uh, like on Monday, 10 years at 4.39%, two years at 4.84%. So we still do actually have a slightly inverted yield curve. Um, but rates have come down a lot. I mean, just a little while ago, the 10 year was touching 5%. And so everybody piled back into bonds saying, hey, it's it's safe now. The Fed's likely going to have to cut rates next year. And every time everybody starts doing the same thing, I wonder, right? Um, there's certain areas of inflation that are still sticky. The, the economy is doing better than expected. I think, um, you know, shopping, holiday shopping so far has been fairly decent. The big crack in the foundation there is that people are putting more on their credit cards and doing more of these layaway plans, Right, where you they're on when you hear the news, it's it's buy now, pay later. When I grew up, you know, me, my sister, my mom, <laughs> it was always layaway. Right, here's your school. We're gonna go school close shopping about two months before school, and we're gonna put it on layaway because we can't afford to buy it right now. And so that's what I remember growing up. But that's happening a lot more, which is somewhat interesting out there. All right, coming back after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about just basic financial security issues and retirement. What's a dynamic withdrawal strategy to get through good markets and bad markets, high rates, low rates? Think you're in good shape for retirement? Find out how you're really doing with the seven steps for retirement readiness. Join Rob Black and CFP Chad Burton of EP Wealth Advisors Thursday, December 7th for a live webinar you can watch from home. Chad will walk you through these seven steps to find out whether you are really ready for the retirement you want. Rob will provide timely commentary and Chad will share specific strategies for taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and more. If you have at least $500,000 in investable assets and want to better gauge where your retirement stands, pass on your estate and create tax efficiencies, this event is for you. The 7 Steps for Retirement Readiness Webinar, Thursday, December 7th, 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Sign up today online at chadburton.com. Can't make it to the live webinar? Register to receive an on-demand recording after the webinar concludes. Go to chadburton.com. Let's talk a little bit about withdrawal strategies in retirement and specifically what is a dynamic withdrawal strategy. We have to kind of step back here for a little bit and say, okay, there's there's several things affecting withdrawal strategies in retirement. The reason why I'm talking about this is because we I keep seeing these headlines is that um, the 4% withdrawal strategy is back. And in the last several years, as rates have been low since essentially 2009, 
I keep saying in events like the webinar that I'm doing on November 7th, that the 4% withdrawal strategy is no longer a no brainer. Now, I got in business in 93 and in the nineties, there was a, uh, essentially a paper written on this 4% withdrawal strategy. And the idea here was that as long as you maintained a balanced portfolio, uh, you know, stocks and bonds, and if you retire at 65 and you can live off of 4% of your portfolio that year. So if you had a million dollars, you could live off $40,000 a year. That's that 4% rate. And is so if you can live off of that $40,000 a year, if you keep the money invested, you should be able to take $40,000 a year, but increase your withdrawal every single year with, with inflation and have enough money to live till the day you die. And that's assuming stocks continue on their historical average rate of return. If we look at the last 50 years, S&P 500 has averaged you know, around 11%. And it's positive 74% of the time. So even with the negative periods, if you add them all up together and divide it by the number of years, it's it's typically over 10, 11%. And then, you know, bonds back then were closer to a 6% rate of return. And then all of a sudden bonds dropped, right? We were only getting, you know, the 10-year treasury was below 2%. And so bonds weren't paying as much. And so that 4% draw rate is challenged. Well, bonds are back up to a higher level. But that's still not really a, it's not a no-brainer situation because there's really different phases of retirement planning and income planning, especially if you retire younger. And when I say retire younger, that's before the age of 65. That's kind of a key age because of because of uh, Medicare. When you turn 65, you get Medicare. Um, you have to you start the sign-up process about three months prior. You get Medicare Part A for free, Medicare Part B you, Part B you pay for. Um, if you're putting off social security, you pay for it directly. If you are getting social security, typically they take it out of your check. Now, if you have Medicare Part A and B, you still have these huge co-pays and deductibles. So people typically get supplemental insurance. And sometimes that's a bit of a challenge for our clients at EP Wealth. We have a service we use called Chapter and we connect, we have them fill out a form and, you know, here's the prescription drugs and the doctors that you use. And they help people go through the process of finding the right supplemental insurance for their Medicare, the right doctors and everything else. And so, you know, I, I will say some of the most popular ones that I see is, uh, you know, Kaiser and United Healthcare Plan through AARP, AARP but they're, they're, there's different versions of care that might be right for you. Um, so that's 65. But what if you retire at 60? Between 60 and 65, you might be on COBRA for a little bit. And if you don't have any access to like group health care or something like that that continues into retirement, you're typically, especially in the state of California, on the covered California plan. Now, you go to states like Arizona, you might have more options. Um, but then you're dealing with this whole planning of premium tax credits where you could have a lot of assets but if your taxable income is low, in other words, you're not drawing out of your IRA or 401k causing a tax hit. So your taxes are essentially the interest that you're earning on your cash and the dividends and interest that you're earning on your stock. If you have a lot of cash to survive over those couple of years, um, you can get a lot of your health insurance paid for if you do the correct withdrawal strategy on your retirement accounts. Um, so there's a kind of a withdrawal phase planning between re early retirement and then 65 and then between 65 when your social security gets in, kicks in, 
So for most people at full retirement age is now 67, but a lot of people wait till they're 70 to maximize social security benefits. So there's kind of a withdrawal strategy that occurs between 65 when you get on Medicare and then typically 67 or 70 when social security kicks in between those years, you're, 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 you know, drawing more out of your portfolios until social security kicks in. So those years might require a higher amount of cash and safe assets in your taxable accounts. So that you have access to safer money until you turn 70. But then do you really want to start drawing on your retirement accounts? Or do you want to convert them from an IRA to a Roth? And that's where it starts to get really complicated where retirement becomes much more of a tax planning game. When you're younger and you're working, you're always saying, how can I pay the least amount of taxes this year? What can I do? When you're retired, you have to think long-term. You have different types of accounts, right? You have 401ks, IRAs, Roth IRAs, normal non-retirement accounts. And you have to say, how do I keep the taxes lower for the next 35 plus years that I'm going to live? And look at Charlie Munger. He lived till 99, just shy of his 100th birthday. And so it's a different set mindset and you can part of a really good financial plan is to say, okay, what is your expenses? What does your cash flow look like? What, what does it look like when you draw money out of your portfolio? How much taxes are you going to pay every year? And as you turn the magical age of 73, when you have to start taking required minimum distributions, what does the jump in your tax bracket look like? A lot of people go from an effective rate of say, uh, you know, 12 to 15% as effect. There's a difference between a marginal effective. I'll get to that later. 12 to 15% all the way up to like 20 to 29% effective rate. When we look at their financial plans and what happens when the required minimum distributions kick in. Now that, that age 73 eventually goes up to age 75 for younger people is the new required minimum distribution. We have to start pulling money out of your IRAs, 401ks and things like that. So, you have to understand retirement accounts. You have to understand the different phases, pre-Medicare, pre-Social Security, post-Social Security, and post-required minimum distribution. So your withdrawal strategy is somewhat dynamic. Once you get to the required minimum distribution age, it definitely gets on a little bit more co-pilot or autopilot, not co-pilot, autopilot situation um, where it, it does make it easier. But you know, if you really want to save a lot of money in taxes, and get as much money converted from your IRA to your Roth at say a 12% federal bracket. Remember guys, all of these brackets that we're seeing right now, they all go up automatically in 2026 if Congress doesn't come together um, with a bill that a president will sign to extend it. And this is the lowest tax bracket that we have been in in the 30 years that I've been in the business. Yet, our costs, our expenses are out of control. Taxes are going up in the future. So we have to think that way. And so what we look at is, especially the first part of retirement is, what is your tax situation? Have you created enough income to live? What else should you be doing? Should you move small chunks from your IRA to your Roth at a lower bracket now? Because we can clearly see based on your financial plan and your cash flow projections that you're going to be at a much higher bracket once you turn 73 and have to start taking distributions. So it's a dynamic withdrawal strategy 
And we'll talk about how we have, we have tax issues that we just talked about. How does that work in a little deeper level? And then what about rough market cycles? How do you adjust your spending? Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. The idea of, of withdrawing from portfolios, again, a little bit more on the tax situation, is that in 2017, with the, the tax act that was passed, it was really beneficial for retirees. I mean, extremely beneficial. I mean, I know you think that if you're in... California or Oregon, where there's high state income tax, that the the salt limitations really screwed you up on your taxes. But most retirees, it's not the case. Most retirees um, are taking the standard deduction these days because that went up. And then there's a disconnect between the ordinary income tax. So ordinary income tax brackets, 12, 15, 22, 24, those brackets that's when if you earn interest on a bank account, if you earn interest from self-employment or W-2 wages, um, corporate bond income that's not in a retirement account, that's ordinary income. But capital gains tax bracket, that's something different. So if you earn dividends on a stock that's based in the U.S., like Apple, Cisco, Microsoft, um, or if you have a stock that you've held for over a year or a piece of real estate, for example, that you've held over a year and you sell it, the gains are taxed as a long-term capital gains. And that bracket is much different than the ordinary income tax bracket. So what happens on your capital gains doesn't necessarily change your ordinary income and how it's taxed, but how your ordinary, your, the amount of ordinary income that you have can cause capital gains from being taxed at zero to uh, 15 and then 20. 23.8%, for example. So what you do matters um, between your ordinary income and how it affects your capital gains. So I always talk about an IRA to Roth conversion. If a person has a certain amount of capital gains and dividends and interest, sometimes it doesn't make sense to max out a certain income tax bracket because it pushes your capital gains taxes up. So we have to use very specific software to model these things on an annual basis. And that's what our teams, all of our certified financial planners and our planners are extremely busy doing right now is doing these year-end tax analysis, Roth conversions, and, and giving that advice. Um, there's a lot that goes into it and you have to do it late in the year because you don't know what your overall tax situation is until late in the year. So I always say that the holidays come at the worst time of the year. My busiest months are always November and December. Because we're, we know what the tax situation is and we're trying to do all the year in planning and then we're trying to get all the paperwork in to custodians to like Schwab and Fidelity to get these things done. And I will tell you, I've never seen Fidelity and Schwab busier than they have been now in terms of processing paperwork and length of time to get stuff done. Schwab is understandable because they just took over TD Ameritrade. And so they've got that whole merger that they're dealing with. Um, so if you're trying to get anything done by the end of the year and you're doing it on your own, I would get it in by the end of this next week at the latest. I mean, we've, we've, we've seen some deadlines from Schwab on like December 1st. So just keep that in mind. Got a little off topic here. Um, so we got the tax situation, but we also need dynamic withdrawal strategies based on your age and the different phases of life. 
And all of this assumes though, that you, you really keep a really close eye on your expenses. So as you get about 10 years from retirement, you really have to start dialing in. What are my expenses? What are my always expenses that, you know, the non-discretionary stuff, the stuff that you always have to have lights on in your home, food on the table. Um, what are the stuff that's going to be there all the time? What are the things that you're going to do to make you happy? Play a lot of golf, travel a lot, volunteer a lot. Um, and what are the things that are random throughout life? Occasional home remodel. You either, you either plan the home remodels, you add, you know, one to 3%, um, every year into your budget for home maintenance. So sometimes you go two or three years without a home maintenance, and then all of a sudden three appliances go out at once, right? That's how it always works. So you have to think about those different items. That's the stuff that causes people to say, Hey, I'm getting enough. I can, as long as I work till 70, I have enough income from my social security to, <clears throat> excuse me, to replace my income and I'll be okay. And then they retire and they go a couple of years on a fixed budget. And then all of a sudden surprises come up like appliances, car problems, and things like that. That's not the way you want to run your retirement. The other thing you don't want to do in retirement is if you go through a rough market cycle, like 2022, for example, where market stocks and bonds were both down together. If your portfolio was down, let's say 13% as a balanced portfolio in 2022, do you cut your expenses that year by 13%? Most people can't do that unless they have like a super huge travel budget and they're like, you know what? I'm not going to take a trip this year, right? And then you can make that kind of a cut. If you if you have a really well-built dynamic financial plan, you can run the numbers and say, oh, okay, rather than cutting my expenses by you know 13 to 20% this year and then going back to normal when the market recovers, I can make a small adjustment to my expenses forever, like one to 3% for the rest of my retirement. And I'll keep it that way until markets recover and then I can adjust it back upwards. So small minor adjustments and fine tuning in the plan versus drastic moves. This is why when you go into retirement, you have to do these calculations of how much, what are my expenses? What are my income? What's my portfolio draw rate and having a two to three years worth of that in safe money so that these rough market corrections that will occur several years, every, every seven to 10 years, we get these big declines. It's part of investing. And as long as you don't have to sell stock or bonds during the downturns, you're going to be just fine. So if you know that you have a plan to adjust your spending, if it's a tough market correction slightly, and that you have safe money and dividends and interest to live off of during a market correction, they, they aren't as scary. You're like, okay, I have a plan for this. 74% of the time, the stock market's positive, but 26% of the time, um, uh, you know, it's negative, but I have a plan for that. I absolutely have a plan for that. So the dynamic withdrawal strategy is that 4% withdrawal rate, it doesn't work for really anybody unless they retire at the age of 73, when they start Medicare, they start Social Security, they start everything. So can you put off taking Medicare at uh, 65? Yes. If you are working for an employer that has a group health insurance plan and you're fully covered by that plan, um, you can you don't have to sign up at 65 and you won't get penalized for not signing up at 65 as long as you're covered by a group plan. So the only person that has a very simple plan is somebody that works till age 73, they start taking social security at 70 and they don't get on Medicare until then. And then it's, it's fairly simple. Most other people have a dynamic withdrawal strategy that can get somewhat complicated to save taxes for the first several years of retirement after age 73, it gets a little bit more simple. 
Um, but you do have to track your expenses. You know, the financial plan should be able to say, this is what I said I was going to spend in 2023. This is what I actually spent. So you've got to keep an eye on that. That's that's your job to keep an eye on the expenses. Now, some of the other expenses that you might not be thinking about in retirement is uh, long-term care costs. And you know, some say I don't talk a, enough about this, but gosh, my experience with this, getting into the business at age 19 with my grandfather who worked at local banks until he left and went on his own. Most of his clients were just average neighborhood banking clients that, you know, he did investments for. Not a lot of super wealthy people in the in the beginning. And so, I mean, there's wealth there, but I was getting calls all the time from people. Hey, my husband or wife went into our nursing home. How am I going to afford to live and still pay for those costs? And so I had to learn all about Medicaid planning and Medi-Cal planning, things like that. And um, that's basically one person goes in. How do you keep the other person out of poverty? How do you keep them in the home if they can't afford it? So one of the things you look at prior to retirement, so starting at age 55, 60 years old, is um, long-term care insurance. First, you need a good financial plan. It says based on the, the, the trajectory where you're going and how much you're saving, how much you have saved, and when you're going to retire, do you have enough to self-insure this cost of nursing homes, which could be over a hundred grand a year, that's not covered by Medicare. If you go into a nursing home and you need health, you need you know assisted living and things like that. And the problem is, is that the long-term care insurance policies have gone up a ton. It's hard to find online just a simple quote because typically, people are typically buying a long-term care insurance policy that covers anywhere from two to five years in a nursing home. Now that could last more like four to you know eight years home health care if it's cheaper, because it could cover both. Um, but quickly, a, a quick search, um, you know, I, I saw one that, okay, if you're a male age 65 and all you buy is a $165,000 policy limit, which would cover about a year and a half um, with an inflation rider, that's about 4,200 bucks a year these days. So it's it's gotten a little bit expensive. A lot of times this is where you can go to a group plan where you can buy it through your employer. As long as you can take it with you, a lot of times you'll have a cheaper coverage, but it's something that you have to model in your plan. Can I afford to pay for it? If my spouse or myself goes in at age, let's say 75 or 80 and they're in there for three to five years, what's left over for the survivor. And if you don't have enough, will you tap your house either reverse mortgage or sell it and move into assisted living? Um, or do you need to look at long-term care insurance? Now there are certain types of policies. A lot of people say, I don't want to buy long-term care insurance. Cause then if I never use it, it's all wasted money where there's life insurance policies now that have gotten a lot better where you buy life insurance and you can use the death benefit prior to dying to pay for long-term health insurance. And so that might be right. If a person sits on a lot of cash or conservative, it's a really big concern to pay for long-term care but they want somebody to get something back if they don't go in, that hybrid life insurance policy might be a way to go. Coming back after the break, we'll talk a little bit about why HSA accounts, health savings accounts can be also very valuable in retirement planning and planning for long-term care costs and other health insurance costs. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. 
My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. I want to talk about HSA accounts, health savings accounts. So this is where you end up getting a high deductible plan. So that means you're going to pay typically a little less out of pocket for your health insurance premiums. And it's got a higher deductible. So the first amount of money, typically, you know, a larger amount, somewhere between three to $10,000 on your deductible, you, you are responsible for. But if something major happens, like if you break a leg, uh, and you meet your deductible, then that's when the health insurance kicks in. And what this allows you to do if you get the high deductible plan is fund a health savings account, which if you think about it, it's like a super Roth IRA. It's an account that you can put money into, get a tax deduction on your tax return. 4000 In 2024, it's going to be $4,150 that you can put into a health savings account um, for single people and $8,300 for family coverage. So if you're in a high tax bracket, you guys don't go to the doctor much. $8,300, that's a deduction on your tax return. So in California, that could save you you know, 30 to 45% of that rate. If you're over 55, you get an additional $1,000 as a catch-up contribution, okay? So then what happens is you can invest the money in index funds, ETFs. Um, you can let it grow and grow and grow. So the idea here is that you fund the account, but I would leave it alone. The best, the, the way that this works best is that if you can still buy the high deductible plan, you have enough cash flow because you're trying to save for retirement and, and you fund the HSA account, but you leave it alone. You don't touch it. You just let it continue to grow and grow. Because the idea here is that when you take money out of a health savings account, as long as it's used for health care, you never pay any taxes on any of the growth, just like an IRA, a Roth IRA. But you got a deduction on the front end. So it's like, an IRA plus a Roth IRA. It's a super IRA, right? It's a really, really good deal. It's amazing because let's say once you turn 65, you still have your Medicare Part B premiums. You still have uh, your supplemental insurance costs. You have co-pays, you have dental costs. You have all of these ancillary costs that Medicare doesn't cover. And what a great way to create an account that at retirement, as you pull out of it to pay for those expenses, you don't pay any taxes on that money. So it's a really, really great benefit. So I want you all to think about that. If you, especially, uh, you know, I do an HSA plan because it's kind of with three kids in college, they're out of that, you know, hardcore sports uh, time frame. Uh, and so prior to that, there always seemed to be just like ancillary injuries and all this kind of stuff that we are all dealing with, including myself on blown out knees and other things because we're all pretty darn active. Um but I switched to the plan because things seem to have calmed down and it just makes a lot of sense. It, it's uh, cheaper on a monthly basis for the health insurance premiums. I know I can afford the situation if a deductible, big deductible kicks in. 
um, which actually it just had because my oldest at Texas Tech, uh, a little late for class, took a lime scooter to class and um, yeah, hit some gravel and it rolled on him and he broke his left foot. So he's walking around in a boot right now, but that, there's no surgery or anything like that required. And so it's not going to be a huge cost. Um, but think about that. If, if you don't go to the doctor much, you're, you're healthy and you haven't switched to an HSA plan. I guess we're kind of past open enrollment if you're still working, but, um, think about that next year and a little bit on healthcare costs too. Um, I, I just want to point this out just because a couple of things have happened with clients recently where there was people that, you know, somebody that fell and broke a hip that it shouldn't have broke. They're, they're too young for that to have happened. Um, and the person did seem to exercise, but it was really only walking, you know, kind of walking the dog. And I want to point out that you have to continue to lift weights in retirement. You look at any research, research has found that weightlifting helps seniors prevent bone and muscle loss and even helps prevent dementia. The Center for Disease Control recommends this, that they do strength training at least twice a week in addition to aerobic exercise. So if you have a person that's, you know, 60s, 70s, and they run every single day versus a person that lift weights twice a week, uh, plays some pickleball and does some cardio once a week, they're going to be healthier than the chronic runner because of what I've talked about before, cortisol levels and other things. So weightlifting is very important. And I would also point out, you know, watch the Live to 100 Secrets of the Blue Zones on Netflix. It'll kind of help you think about exercise and diet and just how you live life in retirement and those that seem to be super happy and live for a long period of time are very social, but a lot of their social time comes during exercise. And a lot about where they live is built around, you know, walking and biking and things like that versus sitting all the time. Um, so keep that in mind. Also worry about your medication. I was at a I had to fly down to Mexico city a couple of weeks ago for a wedding. And I watched a younger person standing on the dance floor, probably mid thirties, if that, um, and I, they fell down and picked them back up. Are, are you drunk? What's going on? And they fell down again. He had fractured his tibia and fibia. It was nearly a compound fracture in the middle of the wedding. I just literally watched a guy break his leg <laughs> standing there and my immediately, my immediate thought after we helped, you know, get him to the hospital and everything else um, was something's wrong. There's some bone cancer here or something else. Turns out the medication that he was taking for his acid reflux, it started to cause osteoporosis. Think about that. There's also DNA tests that you can take these days that help you figure out what medications might be right for you. Like certain antidepressants might be bad for you based on your DNA and other ones might be better if you're taking it. So there's things like that out there. So I don't think that, you know, talk about health and retirement enough, because like I say before, you can save all the money that you want. You can be super wealthy, but if you are not healthy and you're not mobile, retirement can be a bit of a chore. It can be an, an issue of how many times a week am I going to the doctor? So even if you have to work along a little longer in order to spend the money to focus on your health and your diet, do it because retirement when you're not healthy is not very fun. It's not very fulfilling. And that's a big part of retirement is, is how am I going to live? What's retirement look like for me? 
the happier people are the ones that stay healthy and they stay busy. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Start the day off in a different direction. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. CFP Chad Burton has been on my show for years and years. We've partnered together. We've had a good successful run of it. We do seminars and webinars together. We have a webinar coming up December 7th, 6.30. You can sign up for the event at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Chad, how are you? Doing well. Yeah, doing this since 1999, Rob. Long time. So it's been a good, it's worked out nicely. Yeah. Um, but you're doing an event. It's a webinar. It's last event of the year, seven steps for retirement readiness. Um, retirement readiness equals retirement happiness. Maybe so, maybe not. There's a lot to go through. It'll be an hour, hour and a half type of event. Seven steps for retirement readiness. People can sign up for the webinar at Chad Burton or I don't know. It's at your website. I just looked. It's you sign up yeah, for Rob Black it's, Show. It, Midway down the page. Okay. Chadburton.com. Chadburton.com. And if that doesn't work, go to robblackshow.com and robblackshow.com. Now, you excited about doing a webinar? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see how this works. You know, it's, it's tough for people to want to drive and travel when traffic's bad during the holiday season. People out shopping, you know, filling up the street. So you can sit at home with a glass of wine, beer, whatever, and water. I don't care. And, uh, listen to us talk about really key steps that you need to take to say, am I ready to retire? Am I doing the right thing in retirement? So it's kind of those, if you think you're around 10 years from retirement or you're in retirement, it's a, it's, you do not want to miss this one. Start a new podcast, Liquored Up with Chad Burton. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's like drunk history, but drunk retirement planning. There would be something to be said for that. Um, Cause I think a lot of people are not in denial chat about uh, their true financial potential and what it's going to look like in retirement and you're helping. So let's um, chat a little bit about that. You can sign up at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. I've heard the 4% draw rate. This has been a big story in the last 52 weeks it is once again, a reality now that rates are higher, Chad, does the seven steps for retirement readiness address safe withdrawal rates? It does, but it's it's a dynamic situation. So I think we first got to, we, we always need to go back and explain what this 4% draw rate rule is and put it in, in terms of math that people can understand. And so this was, this was done in the nineties. Right. Okay. Um, and so a guy you know, wrote a paper essentially that said, if you have a balanced portfolio and if you can, if you're 65 years old and you can live off of 4% of what you've saved. So if you have a, if you had a million dollars and you could comfortably survive off $40,000 a year today, then you should be able to retire and you should be able to increase your $40,000 withdrawal with 3% inflation every year and have enough money till the day you die. Right. Um, and the idea is that the stock market will continue to average what it always done. And the bonds would continue to average what they'd always done. Well, back then in the nineties, you know, the 10 year treasury rate, Rob was, was above 6%. Right. Um, then it just continued to fall. And, you know, currently today, the 10 year treasury is around 4.4%. Um, and that recovered from zero, essentially, during the COVID crisis. So we're back to where we were interest rate wise in 2007. Okay. Um, but we're not where we were when this whole rule was created. And so people have to understand that 4% withdrawal rate was created during a period of time when bonds paid more income to people than they do now. 
So that's why for the last several years, when rates fell way down, that I would say the 4% withdrawal rate is no longer a no-brainer. There's so much more to that. And in fact, reality is it's a very dynamic situation for retirees, especially if people retire early and all of these different phases, because you go through different phases and amounts of drawing on your portfolio. For example, you know, a lot of people, their full retirement age for social security where they don't get dinged for taking benefits early is 67 now, but most people wait until they're 70 if they think they're going to live into their mid eighties and beyond because then they get a much higher social security payout. So that could be, you know, $30,000 a year, for example. And so if you retire early, Mm -hmm. um, you don't have social security until you're later in life. And so that's, there's different withdrawal phases. The other issue is that if you retire early, let's say it's 60, you don't have Medicare until you're 65. So your withdrawal rate is much higher to pay for your healthcare costs between 60 and 65. And then you get on Medicare and your, your health insurance costs can change. And then you have social security at 67 or 70, and then you have to start taking money from your IRAs and 401ks at 73 is the new age. It's called a required minimum distribution. Now, once you get past that 73 age, Rob, things become a little easier, a little bit more autopilot. But until then, there's these different phases where we're doing, you know, what accounts are we living off of? How do we keep the taxes lower for longer versus the lowest tax bracket this year? And now there's this new issue, especially in in California, if you retire early and you're not on Medicare yet, that there's these premium tax credits that you have to kind of adjust your tax strategy for, where you can get a lot of your insurance premiums covered, even though you have a lot of assets. Um, It's complicated, man. I'm telling you, it's it's between premium tax credits and the tax law that was passed in 2017. The benefits are much larger now for retirees. It's the best tax bracket I've seen in the nearly 30 years I've been doing this, but it's much more complicated right now. Interesting. Um, One of the things I think is really impressive about EP Wealth is the software that you as a certified financial planner get to use. How much of what you just spewed out is automatically in the software so that people can think, uh, know that they're in good hands, that the math is being adjusted, that mm-hmm. the projections are being adjusted. Um, do you want to? Yeah, yeah we we that? program it all in there. I mean, so the 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 idea of of a good financial plan um, is that every day you can see the value of all your accounts as they change, and then how do the value of those accounts go into your financial plan? And 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 that includes all of the modeling that we've done on growth rates, tax issues, which accounts to draw from first. <laughs> And one of the phases of financial planning is looking out and say, okay, if you go into retirement and you live off of your cash and your taxable accounts first and you delay taking income from your retirement accounts, what happens at age 73? How high does your tax bracket go? How low is it now? And how high will it be at age 73? What do we need to do to fight that problem today so that you're not getting crushed in taxes when you turn 73? That to me is probably the number one thing why I don't want to do my own financial planning work, that I want a CFP to do my financial planning work because of the access to the software and I can't possibly juggle all these scenarios that you're juggling. How do you yeah. adjust and, for... Oops, go ahead. I was going to say, I'll do a little demo too on December 7th on what that looks like because um, by having a live, living, breathing financial plan, that includes... Yeah. You know, it's not a manual entry of how much is your 401k and you plug in a manual number. No, it's it downloads the values every day. 
And so if there's a difficult market cycle and the market has a rough year like 2022 when stocks and bonds were both down, you can still log in and see how long is my money going to last. And if it's thin, you can say, okay, what minor changes do I make to expenses for the next 20 or 30 years versus some drastic change where, hey, no traveling for three years, the market just corrected. You don't want to do that. You don't want to live retirement like that. You want to make minor adjustments. That's CFP Chad Burton. We will get him back soon. We have a big event coming up. You can sign up at chadburton.com, the Seven Steps Retirement Readiness webinar, Thursday, uh, December 7th. It's the last event from the year. It starts at 6.30, goes to 7.30-ish. Um, if you miss the webinar, you get stuck in traffic. If you sign up for it, you could still have access to it. If you don't sign up, no access. So a lot of content will be discussed, tax-efficient distribution strategies, taxes, health and wellness, investing, long-term care, savings, and more. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find me at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. We got an event coming up December 7th, 6.30 p.m., Seven Steps to Retirement Readiness. Rob Black and I are going to be putting that on and log in from home and watch it and submit questions prior to. So check it out, chadburton.com. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, iTunes for the podcast. It's all there at chadburton.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.